preach to you. Uh, the Lord is just really saw fit to just turn things around for us physically. Uh, I'm doing fine. Matter of fact, you know, some of you ask me, how you feeling? Uh, I never really felt sick. Uh, there are times when I'd be feel wore out, uh, but not sick. And uh, we, we just had a bout there where it just seemed like we'd get out of the hospital on a Friday. We'd get to church just in time to preach on Sunday. And then Sunday afternoon, we'd get over to the hospital just in time to get put back in the hospital. And that went on for several, several, several weeks, almost a month and a half. Um, but but uh, God has seen fit just to, to raise me back up. There's there's no ill effects or lingering effects. Our numbers are good. So um, all that say thank you for your prayers. And uh, just praise the Lord for that and thank God for that. Amen. In, in, in Philippians chapter 4, you know the Bible is full of recipes. Um, you know, I, I don't like, you know, lard. I don't like butter by itself. I sure don't like eating flour all by itself. I do like eating chocolate chips, though. Um, but, you know, you take all those together and you mix them together. And what do you come up? You come up with, and I like chocolate chip cookies, by the way. But, but put all those ingredients together, some you wouldn't necessarily like all by itself. And you get a product that is very, very enjoyable. The Bible is full of those. I'm an old, where's George? Where's George? I don't see him. He left. He's downstairs. He's gone. He, he's, he's a computer programmer. I'm an old computer programmer. By, 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 by training, that's what, what I used to do way, way back when. And flow charting is, is a big part of programming, however you want. You start with a problem, you start with a solution, and then you chart through that. If this is true, then go here. If this is true, then go there. And, and the Bible is full of ifs and thens. It's a big flow chart. It's a big recipe. And in Philippians chapter 4... Um, one of the biggest, you know, there, there's a study being done. It, it said by the year 2025, 80% of our hospital beds will be filled with mental health patients. Mental health patients. Yeah, that's not far off. It's a couple years. In, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8, now, now the book, the Bible is not a book on psychology, uh, uh, it's not a textbook on psychology by any stretch of imagination, but it is the best psychology that we know. Yes, sir. Uh, God has built the human being. God has created the human being. It's funny, you know, I used to tell this to our church. I, I, we drove Jeeps for years. Uh, now, now, now Tom Swain said we've, we finally got a good car. We got a GMC. I have a lot of GMC retirees in my church. And uh, so, so I used to tell them all the time, you know, if I had a problem with my Jeep, I'm not bringing it to a Chevy dealer. Right, I'll bring it. I'll bring it to a Jeep dealer because they're the manufacturer. Well, you're manufactured by God. Stop running to people for solutions. Now, don't get me wrong. God will use people, but but the best solution you'll find is written in the pages of this book. It's the best solutions we'll find. In Philippians chapter four, verses uh, four through four through eight, we have the recipe for mental health. In Proverbs 23, 7, don't go there for sake of time, but I'll read it to you. If you want to go there, you can. But it says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Bible has a lot. Matter of fact, Paul has a lot in the book of Philippians to talk about as far as thinking. You know, he talks, starts off in Philippians 1 with, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? Uh, he has a lot to say about thinking, thought process. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say in Proverbs, the book of wisdom, about our thoughts and our thinking. But as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. <clears throat> Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is a great portion of scripture that helped me in my life. 
God reminds us in Scripture, Paul reminds us in Scripture in chapter 10 that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. One of the number one things, and don't get me wrong, I, I thank God for doctors, I thank God for even for psychologists, I thank God for medicine, but that ought not be the first place we run. Because the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. Verse number three in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is they're not carnal. It means it's not a fleshly, we can't throw a fleshly weapon at a spiritual problem. They're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Look at verse number five. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And it's amazing. I started this. I'm not going to give it to you all. Lord, maybe bring us back sometime in the future. Maybe we can, we can do it if God gives liberty to do that. Uh, I started a series on mental health and our thinking process in our church. And God's just a God of order and design. It, I don't think it was a mistake. We, right up till COVID hit. And our church was prepared for it. I mean, our church was ready for it. Don't get me wrong. We still had problems. We still had struggles. But there is a connection. Go to John chapter 14, if you will. We will turn here. And I don't know how much I'm going to get to you. I'm just going to trust. When when preacher asked me to preach, this is the first thought that came to my mind. This is exactly where my mind went. Hasn't veered. Matter of fact, he's confirmed it a couple of times this, in Sunday school and Wednesday night. And so I'm going to trust that this is for someone or somebody's tonight. And just trust that the Lord is going to do a work here. Uh, but John chapter 14, verse number 26, the Bible says, The comforter, I love the word, by the way, comforter. Amen? He lives inside us, friend, and brother, brother Bish, Jr., uh, yeah, he's not Jr., but told us that this morning, amen? Uh, in the Old Testament, he visited upon people, but thank God in the New Testament, he indwells us. I don't have to hope that God is going to send the comfort my way. I already have him. He lives inside of us to bring comfort to us in the difficult times of our lives. And that word paraclete, uh, it, it means one that is called alongside to help. That is the Greek word there. I'm not using the uh, Greek or, 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 or uh, to correct the Bible, uh, but, but we sure should use it to enhance our understanding of it. It means the one that comes alongside to help. Uh, so, But the comforter, that one who comes alongside to help, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Now note these next words with me. He shall teach you some things. No. The Bible says he's going to teach you all things. You know, the Bible also says that God's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, so listen, there's, there's things that, that we're just going to deal with in life that aren't necessarily godly because God said he's going to give us all things that pertain to life and godliness. There's things, I'm going to be honest with you, there's some things that just happen in life that should never happen. People are fallen by nature and uh, they're going to do things. You can't, you can't control what people do. We can't control what people do. But we sure can control how we respond. So he said, he shall teach you all things and bring all, all, I like this, all things, not just some things, all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I've said unto you. Now watch, the Holy Spirit isn't going to be able to do anything for you if you don't have any of this in you. Because Jesus said, he shall bring to you all things to remembrance that I've said unto you. And friend, this is the full counsel of what God said unto us. 
This is what's going to help you and I. This is what is going to get you and I down the road of life. Young people, listen to me. Teenagers, listen to me very carefully. The more Bible you put in, the better off you are. The world's opposite of that. They're going to tell you not to do that. They're going to, the devil's going to distract you, derail you, uh, give you all these grandiose things to look after. Uh, but but, but t- I'm telling you, you get the word of God, you get a hole in the word of God, uh, you won't have the regrets that I have. And that some of these adults have. Get it in you while you're young. There's a connection, friend, between the Holy Spirit's office as paraclete and comforter in bringing into remembrance the things that Jesus has said. In other words, part of the method of comfort that the Holy Spirit gives us through difficult times in life is to bring to remembrance the words of Jesus or the word of God. Now, put that in perspective. Now, I'm not beating anybody up here when I say this. But, but we spend far too much time putting things in that really have no value to us. We, we spend far too much time taking in television and all the world has to offer. And I'm not against television. I got two of them. But, but I am against, if that's all we're feasting on and we're not getting any of God's word, and we're, we're going to be in a problem, friend. Just mark it down. In other words, the word of God has the answer The Bible says that we're given all things that pertain to life and godliness. So the book you hold in your hands, in your lap, has the answer. So now the Bible is not a psychology book, as I said. It's not a psychology textbook by any stretch of the imagination. But the best psychology we know is found in the pages of this book. And I preached this series back in our church, and I'm just going to give you some of the thoughts today. I'm not going to be able to even give you close to everything we went through, but I'll just try to follow the Lord. Tim said he was going to sit in the back with my wife and his wife because I have about 30 pages of notes here. And he said, we're just going to slip out the back when, it's, when we feel it's time. Uh, but I'm not going to give you all 30 pages, but I'm just going to follow the Lord and try to give you what, what, what he tells me to give you. But <clears throat> I want you to notice the connection, first of all, between the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, and his bringing into remembrance the things that God said of the word of God. That happens. Look at verse number 27. That happens back in John 14. No, it's not John 14. Well, let me give you this verse. He said, first, and then we'll go to John 14. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world give I unto you, he said. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus said this when he was talking to his disciples and talking to you and I through the scripture. Peace I give unto you. So God's given you peace. He's given me peace. He said, peace I leave with you. What are we done with it? There's a connection, friend, between the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, which he brings to remembrance, and the peace of God. We're going to go back to Roman, or Philippians 4 now. Go back to Philippians 4. And the peace of God that he leaves with us. And that teaches us this. Jesus said, I'm going to leave my peace with my people. That's what he said. And I'm going to focus on the mental aspect of health in, 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 in our message tonight and try to give us a foundation with a little bit of nuggets that we can maybe take home tonight. <clears throat> you're a triune being. God, when he formed man out of the dust of the ground, he said, let us make man in our image. And by God is a triune being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? He created you a triune being. What you are is more important than what you have. 
What you are is a soul. When God breathed into the breath, or breathed into the nostrils, Adam, the breath of life, God said man became a living body. Is that what he said? Man became a living spirit. Is that what he said? No, man became a what? A living soul. You are a soul. Man, humanity, everybody you see is a living soul that will spend eternity somewhere. Because souls never die. That has a body that transports it. Amen. Just like our vehicles. And by the way, just like our vehicles break down, our bodies break down. That is empowered by a spirit that is dead, by the way, in its trespasses and sins until it's quickened and regenerated at salvation. So, so we have a body, a spirit, and a soul. And, occasion, and it gets occasional mention in church, but, 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 but not so much. The soul, remember, is the, the soul or the heart of man is that seat of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So the soul, it, comprom- it comprises our ability to process thinking. Would you agree with me on that? Everybody saved or lost has the ability to process thinking. Everybody. You say, Pastor Petronico, that sounds psychological. That's my point. Throughout the Bible, Old Testament, but especially in the New Testament, especially the teachings of Jesus and Paul, there are specific guidelines for thinking. For thinking. Now, they're not presented in the Bible as a systematic psychology, but they are presented in the Bible as things, points of Jesus' teachings in the Bible, things that the Apostle Paul said specifically, we're going to see in the book of Philippians, and presented in such a manner that unless we study them and connect the dots, we, we won't make adequate application in our life. Isn't that amazing? I think that's why God said, study to show thyself approved. What I want to do tonight, um, over the next several minutes, is, is talk about the soul part of the matter in, in our thinking. And so then, why do we struggle in our soul? Why do we struggle with our mental health at times? And when I say mental health, I'm not saying everybody's mental. Please don't, don't walk out of a preacher said I was mental. Uh, don't turn me off when we talk about mental health, because the truth of the matter is far, far too many Christians struggle with their thinking. We're talking about our mind, will, and emotions. Why do we worry? Why do we get depressed? By the way, depression's very real. I mean, read your Bible. You, there's scores of records in the Bible. I think of Elijah sitting under the juniper tree. Lord, kill me. Depression's real. Why do we get depressed? Why do we get discouraged? Why do we get despondent at times? Well, that's a question I want to address as well as answer tonight as we launch out into to just a couple of things I brought to my church a little while ago, just a couple years ago. Proverbs 23, 23 7 says this For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you hear nothing else I say tonight uh, on this entire topic, please hear this Thoughts produce emotion. And emotions drive behavior. Thoughts produce emotions and emotions drive behavior. Because here's the principle that undergirds everything I'm about to say. If you're, if you're in the habit of writing in your Bible or, or, or taking notes, draw a triangle. Just draw a triangle. And in that triangle at the top here, put thoughts. And then just put an arrow down this way. And down on the bottom right-hand corner, put 
emotions. And then put an arrow this way, and then put a line out right behavior. My thoughts produce emotions, and my emotions drive my behavior. Now watch. It's a fundamental truth to human existence. And it's the plain teaching of Scripture. We're going to see that this evening. The way that I think, what I ruminate on, what I meditate on, what I allow to run around up in my head, what I med- how I process things pr- promotes my emotions or produces emotions. Whether my emotions are happy or they're sad, now watch, I can cause you to cry by telling you a sad story. Hallmark does it all the time. And those it's all guys laughing, I think, because we watch those stupid movies. See, it's okay to say stupid, Brother Tim, with, with our wives, right? And, 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 and what do they do? You're sitting there by the end of the movie, you're bawling. Think about it. But, but, but think about it. Hallmark and Disney, they do it all the time. It's not real, but it makes you cry. What, what they got you thinking about? How, how, how by getting your mind fixated on that sad story, and so now all of a sudden your thoughts are fixated on a very sad story and have by manipulating our thoughts, and by the way, manipulation is not necessarily bad. So you're looking at me funny. When, when you're trying to get some, someone, say a child, to do something good, you reward good behavior. That's manipulation. Amen. It's okay. If you don't understand that, then you really don't understand preaching. <laughs> Good God, listen, God uses reward system all the time, right? He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently. God loved the fact that God's a rewarder, friend. That really does drive, you know, I, I'd like to say I give because I'm super spiritual, but I'll be honest with you, on a level, I give to get. Because God said I'll get it back, pressed down, overflowing in this present life. We learned some of that this morning as well, Brother Tim shared that with us, a hundredfold. But God uses a reward system all the time for right behavior. But I can manipulate your emotions by putting thoughts into your head. And by the way, the, the world knows this. The world knows this, and the world uses this whole method on your children, and even, even, even us adults. And we ruminate upon those thoughts. We meditate, we meditate upon them. I mean, that's what Joshua, right, 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written in therein. For then, when? For then, when you, when you meditate on it, when you think about it, when you get it in there, then uh, thou shalt have good success, the Bible says. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So we think about these thoughts, meditate upon them, you, 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 and you follow along on my sad story, and what it does is it produces an emotion. And then that emotion will drive my behavior and I'll cry about it. So understanding that, now you say, well, preacher, what does that mean? It means this, we have to control our thinking. I want everybody in this room to listen to me. When you talk about processing thoughts, I cannot control your thinking for you. 
Your wife cannot control your thinking for you. Your husband cannot control your thinking. Listen, teenagers, your parents cannot control your thinking for you. There's no way that that's possible. I have to control my own thinking. Right away, somebody may say, well, pastor, I don't think about my thinking at all. I just think thoughts. You know, most people do that. That's all they do. That's how they don't control their thinking. They just let their thoughts jump around their, head, their brain like a bunch of wild broncos. And it's no wonder our emotions are moved and up and down and sideways. And, and we're, we're just, you know, up and down. Is, they, they, they call that manic. Because we're not controlling our thinking. We're completely uncontrolled. It, it, it's, it, I shouldn't say it's funny to me, but, but, you know, it's funny to me in this sense because we would promote discipline in every other area of our life except our thought life. What I mean is we discipline ourselves. Well, I need to exercise. <laughs> New Year's resolution. Gym's full of people. And, and they're, they're, they're tempting to, we, I need to exercise, so I discipline myself to do that. We ought to have the self-discipline to make our, our bed in the morning. Amen. Every parent said? Amen, young people. Make your bed. Hallelujah. Uh, we have to have we, we self-discipline to read our Bible. We ought to do that. Make you, uh, you should have a, a better self-discipline to pray. And you ought to have a prayer life. Uh, but you know what no one ever talks about? Is self-discipline of straightening out our thinking and controlling what we think. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, not just some of them, but every thought, to the obedience of Christ. Yeah. One of the things that creates anxiety in people is when we think about a problem and I leave God out of the, 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 the equation. Say, oh, Pastor Petronico, you're a pastor. You would never do that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but, but listen, for many of us, that's our go-to. And not that we intentionally do that, but we do that. And if God is not in our thought process, that thought has exalted itself against the knowledge of God, of who he is and what he says and how to deal with this situation. And the result, if it's not dealt with properly, is anxiety and worry and fear leading to depression, discouragement, despondency. Just because we left what God has to say about a situation out of the equation. So understand me, we're to capture our thoughts. Some thoughts we're to actually outright refuse, right? Casting down imaginations. Uh, this is just a, a, a brief, uh, just background for this. But, but then where the rubber meets the road is how do I do this? Because that's where we struggle, right? Remember this. The, 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 a lot of people, God's people, they're troubled. They don't have peace. Go, go back to Philippians 4. I mean, uh, Jesus said... Uh, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Okay, then where to go? Because a lot of people, a lot of God's people, they don't have peace. They struggle from day to day with joy and peace and happiness. And instead of having a lasting joy and unshakable peace, they have spurts and they, they are, they're fleeting at best. And uh, many are searching for reasons and they place fault on circumstances or uh, situations or troubles and trials or problems. But, but we can have peace and joy uh, through trials and tribulations. 
They place fault on people. Hey, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. They, they, they place fault on people, spouses, employers, friends, children, parents. I, well, if they were my friend, why would they do that? You know, that's a great question. You probably should ask them that before you come and jump to conclusions. Peace of mind, peace in our soul, peace. And friend, for, in many churches, there is a tendency to not talk about these types of things, to not talk about depression or anxiety. There's a tendency to avoid it. But to do that is to alienate just about everybody in society because everybody struggles with it and help nobody. So I'd like to maybe connect the dots on just a couple of things. I think we got about 15 more minutes on problems and maybe get a little bit of practical help tonight. Help that we may be able to apply and begin to get a joy or maybe even a peace that lasts and lingers through our trials and troubles. On mountaintops, it's so easy to have peace on mountaintops, but also in the valleys. You know, it's been said, you are what you eat. You ever hear that? You are what you eat. No, you're not. I'm not looking at a bunch of bananas or chickens or, right? I mean, we're not what we eat. I'm not a cow. I'm not a pig. I'm not a cucumber, a head of lettuce, right? Can I tell you, however you are, what you think. You know, many, many maybe have not necessarily understood that principle or maybe some of you maybe not understood that principle I'm going to give you this evening. Uh, maybe you don't even believe it, what I'm about to, to share with you. But can I say this? Whether you didn't know or understand them before tonight or whether you don't believe them or didn't believe them doesn't make them any less true. They got to be true and every man a liar. God's word is true, friend. Mark it down. There's one source of truth, and Jesus declared it. Thy word is truth. So this is a challenge for for every one of us and one that we all face, controlling how we deal with things and what we think. Because, friend, what you and I think about determines the level of peace we have in our lives. So I said this, but, 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 but then where the rubber meets the road is, how do I do that? Because that's where we struggle. Can I say this? There's two biblical truths about our peace of mind. One is this. Peace is not passive. Peace, friend, is not a passive experience. What I mean by that is peace just doesn't happen. It just doesn't like poof. Okay, you got peace. I'm at peace. Peace comes from properly managing and controlling what we think about. Philippians 4, look at verse number 5. Let your moderation, that, that's a fancy word for self-control. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Bible says. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. And sometimes, you know, we redefine and we, we use words like they weren't intended or what they originally didn't mean. And I don't know who gets to change the definition of words, but Webster sure doesn't do that. They don't get the right to do that, but they have. But, you know, that word careful. Some people say that word careful means worry. And maybe in a general sense, it does mean worry. But a better word for that word is careful. 
God says what he means, it means what he says. If God wanted to put worry there or anxious there, he would have put that. But the word there is careful. Now watch. You say, Pastor Tronico, shouldn't we be careful about... Uh, let, me, let me use this illustration. When we cross the road, we say, oh, be careful crossing the road. No, you don't want somebody to be careful crossing the road because you want them to cross the road. The word careful means so full of care. God says this. You and I ought never be so full of care over something that it paralyzes us that it produces fear in us. Now, I'm supposed to be cautious when I cross the road. I ought to take care when I cross the road. But, but, but the, the, the word here, careful, it means don't be so filled up with care. You're not supposed to be so filled up with care that when you come to the street, you get paralyzed. Well, what if I trip? Or what if I slip? Or what if, or what if, what if, if I'm full of care over that crossing the street? I'll never cross the street. That's what careful means. Is it reasonable and right to exercise caution? Absolutely. Look both ways, but get across the street. It is not appropriate, according to Scripture, though, to be filled with care over that. Filled to overflowing with care. We, we use the word anxiety to describe this verse, but again, the better word is careful. To be so filled with care that you're not able to function, that it becomes debilitating. That the anxiety, worry, and fear then consumes every aspect of your life. The word careful is the right word. Isn't it neat how God said what he means? So Paul says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, here it is, that passes all understanding. Now, the peace of God comes after we do some things in this verse. Very important to understand that. That means this, folks, listen, God's not a heavenly Xanax pill. People say stuff like this. Well, pastor, I'm struggling. I'm going through a really tough time. I'm just praying that God sends me peace. I understand. Don't get me wrong. I understand what they mean. But what they're essentially asking for is that some dove descend from heaven carrying a Xanax and just pop it in your soul to bring peace. And somehow, some way, peace is going to pass over everything and everything's going to be okay. That's not how it works. Peace is not a passive experience. According to Philippians 4, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall. It comes after we do some things. Now, the reason that they believe that was what well, they were told somewhere in their past. And I get that. A lot, of, a lot of what I tell our people back home is, and this is why I believe God is doing such a great work where we're at. It's not because of me. It's because of the principles and truth of the word of God. I don't think there's bad people. I don't think people uh, want to run around and create problems. I think there's a level of society uh, that, that do that, and they just they, God will deal with them. But, but most, most of the time, people just taught wrong. Amen? 
You know in Scripture, this isn't the message, um, but it's a good message to preach. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, God gives us a filter for what we learn and what we hear and what we're allowed to teach, somebody teach us. Paul said to Timothy, continue thou in the things thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We're supposed to continue only in the things we've been assured of. Understanding the person that taught us it is the person we ought to be underneath and learning from. And the only reason people tend to start to get off track is that they were just taught wrong somewhere in their past. Or told, just pray and read your Bible more and God will help you. <laughs> but God says no. There's some things you have to do. Be careful for nothing. That means you. You say, well, how, how, can, this, how, how can I stop this? Exercise self-control. Let your moderation be known on all men. I'm responsible to do everything I can do to control my thinking. God's peace comes after I do the things I'm supposed to do, and it's not praying more and reading my Bible more. Although you ought to pray and you ought to read your Bible, it's deeper than that. What am I supposed to do? Be careful for nothing. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let my request be made known unto God, and the peace of God comes. Pastor, when does that happen? It happens when I learn to control my thinking. Look at verse number 8 of Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Do you know you alone control your thoughts? You alone control your thoughts. What sort of things are true? What sort of things are honest? What sort of things are just? What sort of things are pure? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these occasionally. No, those are the things we're supposed to think on. So if it's not true, I'm supposed to cast it down. If it exalts itself against the knowledge of God... I'm supposed to bring it into the obedience of Christ. There, there's a lot here. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what, what to give you. That, but, but let me use a weather illustration. I, I, I've poured tons of emotional energy into those kinds of things. Do you know what? The, the weather is out of my control. And by the way, it's out of your control too. I'm, Mrs. Clack... They, they all don't like, I like snow. So I'm with you, amen. But, but how many of you know winter's out of your control? Amen. But watch, if I push against that emotionally, I can't change it. I can't do a thing about the weather, but if I push against that emotionally, I'm gonna damage myself. Here's a rule that, 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 that I, I try to practice. I'd like to say I've adopted it, but I'm human and I fail. I refuse to think about something that I cannot control or change. Period. 
Now, I'll do my best in any given situation. Don't misunderstand me. But if it's outside of my control, what good does it do me to ruminate over about it over and over and over and over in my head and get all worked up about it if I have no control over it? And by the way, if all you're doing is thinking about it or all I'm doing is thinking about it, whatever happened to prayer? Whatever happened to the scripture that said, cast your burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain it. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. You say, Pat, one of my kids aren't doing right and I'm so burdened and I'm just falling apart and all I can think about is my child and they aren't doing, whoa, wait a second, time to stop. Is that doing your child any good? No. Is it doing them any good that you're falling apart over it? In fact, ultimately, it'll probably do greater damage. Because then they'll, they'll, they'll figure out they have some type of control over you. You say, what do you do? And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know what we need to do with some things when something's out of our control? We need to go a place of prayer and, and say, God, I've done everything I can. Lord, if there's something else I should do in this moment, in this situation, help to help the situation, I'm going to just sit here quietly and maybe you can bring that to my mind. And then sit there quietly and wait. And then normally, I don't know about you, and now in those moments, nothing usually comes to my mind because there's nothing else I can do. But then you, this is what you do. You say, okay, Lord, I'm giving it to you. And leave it there. And stop worrying about it. Well, watch. What you're doing at that moment is you're casting your burden upon the Lord. You're, 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 you're casting down that imagination because one more thing, also doing is imagining things. We're pontificating. And I don't have time to get in all those. Uh, prognosticating. It's, we, we we're good at intuitive thinking, which is reading between the lines. Oh, I know what you meant by that. No, you don't. Or prognosticating. We forecast outcomes based on information. Usually it's intuitive thinking because I know what you're thinking. We get all messed up. In that moment, we're casting our burden upon the Lord and say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm leaving it here and get up from wherever you're at. Now watch, and here's a secret. Don't think about it anymore. You say, well, sometimes that's hard not to think about it. You're right, because you have a flesh and a devil. So when you pick it back up, put it back down. You say, preacher, is that possible? Is it possible? Yes, it is possible. But watch, it is, it is hard at first. Can I tell you something about mental self-discipline? It's discipline. I would, it's spirit-empowered, yes, but it's still discipline. And it's a hard thing to do, but if you'll practice it, you know, we, we have, we have knee-jerk reactions right now, don't we? Somebody does something to us or says something to us or a situation comes up, this is how we respond. You say, why is that? Because that's what we've done in the past. We've trained ourselves to respond that way. And it's just a retraining of our brain. I mean, that's, I think, Romans 12, too. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, that, that, that's possible. You can renew your mind. For years, doctors and, 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 and 
expert. I don't know if I want to be an expert about anything, Brother Bish, Pastor Bish. An X is a has-been and a spurt is a drip. But they say, they used to say, well, you can't regenerate your brain. You can't, brain doesn't regenerate. That's not true anymore. They, they figured out you can retrain your brain and you can reprogram. Imagine that. The Word of God said you could do that a long time ago and now they're just coming around to it. But if you'll do it for two weeks consistently, practicing these principles, you'll build up mental muscle and your mind will actually say, oh, I don't think about that anymore. Or I, I gave that to the Lord and then you just move on. But it takes discipline, it takes practice, but it'll take some time. Personal peace comes when we adopt God's thought agenda as our own. Personal peace comes when we adopt God's thought agenda as our own. Uh, let me just give you a couple real quick. I, I'm supposed to be done at seven. Let me give you just a couple things here. You got to put your thoughts to the test. Are they biblical? Do they comply with Philippians 4.8? Is it true? That just knocked out about 80% of what we think about sometimes. Because we hear something, and by the way, if, if it's not verifiably true, don't think about it. Because God said whatsoever things are true. Do they comply with Philippians 4.8? Because this is where God says we need to be operating. It's the agenda, if you will, of what we are allowed or should be thinking about. That's the list of Philippians 4.8. Here it is. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, that just knocked out Fox Network, that just knocked out CNN, that just knocked out. Listen, I love Sean Hannity, but I don't listen to him because my spirit gets ruined. Because I'm not supposed to be thinking about those things. Even if it's true, then God says, is it honest? Is it of a good report? And we get so messed up mentally, emotionally, because we're not learning to control our thinking. The assumption is, listen, we can control our thinking. You say, well, I don't know if I can. Yeah, you can. God will never command you to do something you can't do. Empowered by his spirit. More importantly, you can control your thinking. The Holy Spirit says so. We're commanded to do so. By the way, I can do all things through Christ with strengtheneth me. So just don't, don't let the devil whisper that in your ear. Paul even said in verse number nine, those things that you wish you have both learned, right, uh, and received and heard and seen in me, he said, do and then he repeated, he said, and the God of peace shall be with you. So when is that peace that passes all understanding and then the God of peace with us? When we do what the Bible says with regards to controlling our thinking. But you got to work at it. Whatsoever things are true. So, Corinthians 10.5 says this, we're to take our thoughts into captivity. 
Go back to 2 Corinthians 10, 5. I'll leave you with this. Maybe in the future sometime I can develop it some more. But, but uh, we've, we've hit the basics on this tonight. But, but I want you to see this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll look at verse number 3. Oh, verse number four. Let's start with four. Well, the first three is good. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That means you, you don't fight in the flesh. You can't do this with a fleshly weapon. There's no self-help book that's going to get you on top of this, friend. Listen, I'm all, I'm all for reading. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for, you know... Reading guys that, 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 that will help me be a better husband, that will help me be a uh, better pastor, that will help me be a better member of society, uh, but, but not over and above this. And if it violates or, or, or goes against what this says, throw them out and don't ever read them again. I got a couple in my church, and I don't think they'll be watching this tonight. Hopefully they're in church. But they won't spank their kids. They read some, you know, book on if you spank your kids, you'll scar them for life. It's, it's, it's amazing. And their kids are a handful. I love them. I love them dearly. And I love their kids. But, but you cannot violate Scripture and come out unscathed. I cannot violate Scripture and come out unscathed. So the weapons of our word for verse number four are not carnal. God says, listen, you're not going to get it out of a self-help book. You're not going to get it by a, a, a reading a, a child-rearing book. Get in the book. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. And every, not just some, listen, there's, my wife said right there, we, we, we have some shows we watch, but the minute something comes across that screen that violates and exalts itself against the knowledge of God, it is gone. And I think that's where the devil has tripped up so many of God's kids. Because you cannot take fire into your bosom and not get burned. Nobody can. It boggles my mind, preacher, that a blood-bought child of God, and I'm not going to get political, but, 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 but can, 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 can absolutely vote for somebody who's okay with abortion. You say, how did they get there? Well, they listened to something they should have never listened to. They read something they should have never read. They befriended somebody they should have never befriended. And mine eye affecteth mine heart. Faith cometh by hearing. Those, those are basic biblical principles, yet we violate them all the time. And expect to come out unscathed. I can handle that. No, you can't. If Michael, the archangel, couldn't handle the devil, friend, you can't. And I sure can't. And he is the prince, the power of the air. He's the one running this world until Jesus comes back. It's his world to run. Adam gave it to him in the garden. 
but we've got to cast down imaginations. We've got to, we've got to control our thinking. Go back to Philippians 4 real quick, and we'll wrap up here. Find, I'm trying to find a landing spot. So, so when is God with you? When is that peace that passes all understanding going to keep my heart and mind? When is the God of peace with me? Well, look at Philippians chapter 4. And verse number seven. Or oh, verse number six. Be careful for nothing. You, you can't get so full of care over something, friend, that it gets you all wound up. You can't do it. Don't get so full of care that pontificating, prognosticating, thinking intuitively, getting all these things, these thoughts up in our head, letting them run around like wild broncos, not controlling your thinking. And we always come out to, and formulate, sometimes we're our own worst enemy. I mean, I had several tons of illustrations I could have used to, to drive some of these points home, but, but, but be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, you say, what am I supposed to do? It Pray about it. Take it to the Lord by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Lord, I don't understand it. I'm thankful I've got the opportunity to bring it to you. Here it is. Oh, Lord, I need you to take care of this. But everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, that peace that passes all understanding, shall keep, shall mark it down, take it to the bank, cast a check every time, shall keep your hearts and minds. But then whatsoever, look at verse number eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, pure, uh, go all the way through that list. Uh, and then verse number nine, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. When you do those things, the God of peace shall be with you. Peace is possible, it's just not passive. And it takes some work. So if you've lost your peace, you've lost your joy, right? See, here's why the devil goes after your joy, is the joy of the Lord is our strength. There's a way to get it back, but it's just not past. God's just not going to plan it there. He's waiting for us to do some things. And if we will, listen, it's an if then. Get back to that flow chart, right? Programming. If I'll do this, God will do this. If I don't do this, God is not obligated to do this. That doesn't mean God doesn't love me. That doesn't mean God's not my dad. Here's where most people get messed up. Oh, preacher, I'm doing great. God's blessing me, and we think we're okay. I say, when I, I say well, explain that a little bit to me. And they say, well, I got money in the bank. We got a roof over the head. Boy, things are good. I was like, did it ever occur to you God's just a good dad? Because God's never okay with sin and disobeying the scripture. And most of what we experience in life is God being a good dad and taking care of his kids. And I'm grateful for that. But, but I, want, I want to go beyond that. Uh, Jesus said, I've come to give them life. And thank God for that. But he's also said, life more abundant. I, I don't want to endure life. I want to enjoy life. 
And the way to do that, the start of that, is, is, is really getting, getting this area of our mental health right and, and thinking right. And the way you do that is just live out Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I think we'll stop there tonight.